pray, and let's spend a little bit of time in, uh, in the Word this morning. Uh, dear Gracious Father, we are so very thankful for everything that you've given us. So very thankful for your Son, Jesus Christ. So very thankful for the Word. So very thankful for brothers and sisters all around the world. We ask, Father, that as we spend time in the Word this morning, that your Spirit would be working on our hearts, causing us to see uh, our hidden sins, causing us to see your Son, the brilliance of your character, and that as your Spirit is working in our hearts, that we would see truth and apply truth properly to our life. We're just so very thankful for all the blessings that you've given us in Christ And uh, it's based upon him, his work, and his authority that we say, amen. Well, this past week has been, at least for the Hilbert family, a a week of school starting. I know that a lot of families are getting ready for school to start. In fact, I even was uh, looking on my my college, my alma mater, and... uh, as I was looking today or yesterday was like registration day, and I thought, oh man, that makes me that makes me go back. I think of so many things that have happened on registration days in my life there in Lagrange, Wyoming. Uh, just got to say this: that's where I met my wife. Was in registration line my first day. Uh, I knew that she was the one for me, and then I had to spend the next three years convincing her that. I was the one for her, so uh, it worked out fine. But I was, I was thinking about the school and, and, and the whole process of going back to school, and, and there's, there's always one thing that starts when you go back to school, back to college, is that orientation. I don't know how many of you remember those college orientations where they let you know the name of the school, the handbooks, the syllabus, what's expected, uh, you learn the faculty, right? You learn the campus, where things are. Uh, and it's just this introduction to, to the school, an introduction to the education you're going to receive. In the book of Proverbs, we're in 2117 this morning. As we've been going through this book, we now have entered into this next section, okay? So starting in chapter 10 all the way to 2116 was this section where Solomon was, was showing his children, here's, here's what a wise person looks like, and here's what a foolish person looks like. And we looked at all of those, okay, all of those comparisons and contrasts. We're now in a new section of Proverbs, 2117, and this is going to go all the way to somewhere around chapter 24. We're going to see this section of sayings. And before we've been kind of have the posture of a child, of a son, we're now going to have the posture of a student. And the way that this is described is like a classroom setting, okay? That, so, so that's the new posture that we're going to take as, as people reading the book. We're no longer children. We're now students. And, and Solomon and all these other people are the teachers. God is our teacher, and what's going to happen from, uh, at least from after 21, there's going to be these 30 sayings that are said about wisdom, okay? And we're going to spend some time in each of these sayings. So there's 30 that follow this. But this first section from 17 to 21 is the freshman orientation to the University of Wisdom, okay? So here's Solomon's University of Wisdom. This is 
opening orientation. We're kind of getting the feel of what are the things we're supposed to learn, who are the, who's the faculty, uh, what are some of the things we're supposed to look for, what, what, what's the goal of our education in the University of Wisdom. And so in this orientation, we're going to see that there's two things, two things that we're going to get from these 30 sayings as we're going to spend the next couple months in these 30 sayings. The first is found in verses 17 through 19. The first thing we're going to learn is this cultivation of our faith, the cultivation of our faith. What's the major reason you should attend this university and spend time in these 30 sayings? It's going to cultivate your faith. Right? This, this is how God is going to use these sayings to, to help us trust him more. Right? That's what he's going to do. And if we're looking at them correctly, that's going to be one of the products, is this cultivation of our faith, of our trust, a deepening trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The second thing found in verses 20 and 21 is we're going to see this further preparation for life. Not only, not only are we just going to deepen our faith and our trust, but also our we're going to be prepared to step out in faith and be obedient, right? So we're going to see these two things, the cultivation of our faith and the preparation of our life. So let's look at this. Notice verse 17. I'm sorry, I, I, I got that wrong. I meant verse 19. I have this wrong in my notes. Verse 19. No, I'm in the wrong chapter. Oh, my word. I'm looking at it going, I, I didn't study any of this. I'm in, I'm in chapter 21. You're probably in chapter 22, right? Good. A plus. I am now in chapter 22, and we're going to be in verse 17, right? My notes were right. I was wrong. Notice in verse 17 what, what he says. Incline your ear to hear the words of the wise and apply your heart to my knowledge. So here, interestingly, this starts off with commands. There's commands. There's imperatives. In the book of Proverbs up to this point, we haven't seen a lot of imperatives, right? We've seen a lot of principles. We've seen a lot of things that we need to build into our lives and things that we need to have, right, those principles. It's how we live our life, and, and we can look at situations and apply those principles. Here's a command, and it starts off with an imperative. Incline your ear, right? Incline your ear. As we've said before, the image of inclining your ear is this, this image of getting closer, of getting your ear closer to the source of the sound, right? Why, why would you do that? Why, why would you bring your ear closer to the source of sound that you're trying to hear? So you can hear. So you can hear everything, right? So this image of inclining one's ear, right, of getting closer, is, is one of saying, not only do I want to hear what's being said, but I want to hear everything that's being said. Okay, so it's a posture of wanting to, to pay attention and hear everything and soak up everything that's said. This is the beginning posture of a student of wisdom. It is one that says, I want to know everything. I want to hear everything. I want to get every nuance. I, I don't want to leave any leaf unturned, right? I don't, I don't want the cliff notes. I'm going to be the guy in the library studying so I know everything about everything that's here. That's the image. 
And it's this desire to know, this desire to learn. This is so important for us as believers to have this teachable, humble spirit. We struggle with it, I know. We all struggle to be teachable. But we have to be teachable when it comes to God's word, right? We have to come to God's word saying, teach me. Teach me. I'm a distracted pupil. There's so many things that are distracting me outside of God's word, outside of your wisdom. I'm a distracted pupil. Help me have the desire and give me the attention span to stay focused on the things that you want me to learn. I don't want to be that distracted pupil in the back throwing paper airplanes. I want to be that student that learns, right? So, so, so that's the first command is lean your ear in. Listen. You want to hear everything that's said. Just taking it out of the book of Proverbs for a moment and thinking of our life, I, I know that many of us do devotions in the morning or af- afternoon or evening, whenever you do it. I, I don't think there's really a biblical text that tells you when you should do it. You should just do it. And I know that for a lot of us, we will have like certain things that we'll read, devotional thoughts, nice thoughts. And, and I think that's important. But I think it's also important that we study the word. You know, much more than just a casual, devotional thought of going, that's a nice thought today. That was a nice thought. There needs to be something that you're digging into. There needs to be some text that you're, dug, you're digging into, and you're, you're really going deep. You're, you're really spending time trying to figure out what the author is trying to say on your own. Now, it's important to be here and to listen to me as we're going through this. And my, my job, one of my goals is that as you're listening to this, you can go home and then go deeper, right? I, I kind of give you a platform, a springboard that you can go deeper in your own study. But you've you got to be studying, right? You have to study like a Berean to make sure these things that you believe are true. Yes, devotionals are fine. I, I'm not knocking them. I'm just saying that we probably as believers should be, go deeper, Right? There's a lot of things that we, we enjoy and we spend a lot of time uh, into, right? So I like guitars. Guess what I talk, think about a lot? Guitars, right? This past week, my family, we started fantasy football. Guess what I've done all week? I've studied fantasy football, right? Did pretty good, too. But here's the point. Those things that you enjoy, you spend time, and you just, you're not okay, you're not satisfied with just a, a simple understanding of these things, a nice thought about these things. You want to know them and everything about them. You want to know the first thing, and, and we spend a lot of time in research. This is where the lion's share of our research should be, right? Knowing God's word. That's the implication of inclining one's ear. Now, now notice the next thing that he says. He says, incline your ear and hear the words of the wise. Once again, second imperative. The first one's to incline your ear, and the second one is to hear. I, I suppose it is possible for someone to incline their ear, but not really listen, right? I suppose it's possible to have a posture of a student, but not really have the mind of a student. And the idea here for hearing is to take, to listen, but, but with, the, with the intention of, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to apply this, right? So I'm going to, I'm going to incline my ear. I'm going to hear and, and with, with, the, with the idea that I need to know this and I need to apply this. And then notice what we're supposed to listen to. The words of the wise. 
This is not any wise person, as we've discussed already in the book of Proverbs. This is the person who has the fear of the Lord. It's a teacher who's a godly teacher who has that fear of the Lord and is teaching us from that position, right? That, that's the sense. I'm not just going anywhere. I'm not just searching for anyone that can turn a phrase. I am looking specifically for teachers who have and possess wisdom and teach God's wisdom. So how do we find people who are wise people who teach? I have a couple principles that I use in my own life when I'm listening to somebody or reading a book. I have four that I kind of walk through and go, okay, is this person generally on, on the up and up, or is this person somebody I shouldn't spend my time thinking about? And, and here's the four things I think about. First thing is, do they point to Jesus? Do they point to Jesus? Do they point to God as being the hero? My fancy way of saying, is Jesus exalted? Is Jesus celebrated? Is Jesus the one who's the answer? Is God the Father the one who's the answer? Are they pointing? Are they not just saying the name? Are they actually meaningfully talking about the character of God, the will of God? Are they, are they pointing me to Jesus saying, your first step in any problem is to go to the Lord Jesus first. He's the only one that can help. The second thing I would say is, do they point me back to the word? I've met plenty of people who talk about God as being a hero, but they've said stuff that you go, well, that's, yeah, he's a hero, but he's not that kind of hero. It's not consistent with what God's word has to say. So is the person who's teaching, who's talking, constantly having me look back at at the word? So you almost have this interesting posture of somebody who's pointing up in the sky, pointing to Jesus, and someone who's pointing here to a chapter and verse, right? Does it force me to go back? Another thing that I would say is who's, what would a wise teacher do would be someone that would bolster the doctrinal statement. What I mean by this is we have a church doctrinal statement. If I listen to them and then I go back to the church doctrinal statement and go, oh, I now understand, I now have a better understanding of what that means. I have a better understanding of inspiration. I have a better understanding of salvation. I have a better understanding of sanctification. Right? So, so do they help me understand sound doctrine better? And do they care for me or are they just trying to get money from me? Right? That's a big deal. I, I want somebody who actually cares about me and, and cares that I'm growing and walking with the Lord. Th- those are the people that, that we, we should listen to. But word of caution. Our flesh really loves listening to foolish teachers. We like that. We love that, don't we? There's a part of us that says, I'd rather listen to the fool who's screaming on TV, right? I'd rather have that. I'd rather take that. That's a distracted student who's not listening to the right teacher. We, we must fill our ears with the teaching of wise people. Now, notice the next thing that, that he says here. And he says, and apply your heart to my knowledge. Uh, apply your heart. The, the idea is to have this attitude of devotion. It's, it, it, it's I'm devoted to this. I, I, I want to see this walked out, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm studying, I'm listening, I'm taking these things to heart, and then how do I then actually then take what God's word has to teach or what the wise teachings from a wise teacher, and what does that look like in my situation? What, how, how do I do that? What, what does that look like? What, is, what does that look like at a Thanksgiving meal, right? 
What does, that, what does that look like when I'm on the job site? What does, it, what does that look like? What, what does this principle of this teaching look like? And notice that it's, a, it's an application to your heart, right? So, so it's something that, that, that you're internalizing. This is something that's really important to you. It, it forms your, your desires. It forms your decisions, right? So you apply your heart to what? To my knowledge. Kind of, kind of interesting how Solomon says it here. He's to my knowledge. We're, we know just because we have the advantage of being able to read after this, we know that there's going to be other guys talking. And you go, well, well, then why would Solomon just say, well, it's my knowledge? Simple. Solomon has done the very same thing that he's telling us to do. Now, I think we'd all be quick to go, did he, though? Right? I mean, didn't, didn't that guy have a lot of strange wives, right? Foreign wives, and didn't they pull him away? Yeah, they did. They really, they really did. But remember, the first part of Solomon's career was really good. It was really honoring to the Lord. So Solomon here acts as a really good example of, one, do as I say, not as I've done. That's an important principle, right? Solomon's human. Second, realize that Solomon was one of the wisest people that has ever walked the face of the earth. None of us in this room are anywhere close to his wisdom. If he can fall, if he can act foolishly, whoa. Right? Then then we better be more vigilant, right? We we better make sure that we're extremely vigilant. And so one of the things that's happening here is he's taking godly words, taking godly teachings, and he's building that into his life so that he can live it out, right? This is part of that cultivation. Now, notice the next part of this cultivation. He says, for it will be pleasant. It's a good thing. It's a favorable thing. It'll be pleasant if you keep them within you. Solomon's dad would, would, in the book of Psalms, talks about this, having this word inside of you. He, He uses the phrase meditate. Meditate is much more than memorize. Meditate is to think about and think about and think about, and think about, and think about over and over again. It's this constant mulling over, right, like a rock tumbler. It's just going and going and sharpening and polishing and polishing and polishing. That, that's the idea here. So, so to have it within you is much more than just I know it. It's I know it, I'm thinking about it, I'm polishing it. It's something that's inside, and I desire to keep that. Right? I desire to have that as a part of my life. I have a desire to live that out. Right? It's something that's precious to me, and I want to keep it. I don't want to lose it. I don't want to get rid of it. It's the, it's the most valuable thing. Right? God's wisdom should be the most valuable thing to us. Right? We, we, we should value God's wisdom above all other things. Okay? We should be willing to give up our guitars for God's wisdom. You should, not me, you should. No, we all should be willing to give up things that we enjoy, saying, no, God's word is more important than that, right? Knowing this, this is number one. This this has to be number one. And then notice the second part of the parallelism. And he says, if all of them are ready on your lips. Really interesting phrase, a little confusing. Some people have the idea that it's the pupil so that the pupil can become the teacher. 
so it's ready. So, so it's the idea that you spent so much time thinking about God's wisdom that you're ready then to give an answer whenever, whenever somebody has a question about wisdom or you're ready to give advice. Of course, that, that, that's an implication, right? But, but it also has the implication of that one's ready to apply wisdom whenever wisdom is needed. It's ready. It's right there. It's right at the front, right? Both are true. And Solomon has spent a lot of time so far talking about wisdom, and wisdom is how we talk, right? Saying the right thing at the right time in the right way. And most of the time when we do something foolish, it begins because we said something foolish, right? What is said is an indication of what's already on the inside, right? So the idea is that if it's, if it, if it's transformed us from the inside, then the thing that's coming out will, will, will have gone through that filter, right? And it'll be godly and wise. This is all part of that cultivation. And you say, why is that the, the cultivation? Notice the next verse. Notice the result. That. Now Solomon doesn't use this phrase, that, very often in the book of Proverbs. Very rarely do we see Solomon making a logical argument. But he's making a logical argument here. It's, here's the result, The result of inclining your ears, of hearing, of applying, of keeping, and and having ready. Here's the result of that. You ready? Here's the result. That your trust may be in the Lord. You see that? What's what's the result of, of this process? The result of listening to godly words. The result of knowing God's word. The result is a growth of faith. That's the result. So some may say, some may come up to you and say, well, how do, how do, I, how do I get faith? How do, how do I grow my faith? Right here, right? This is what you do. You spend time in God's word. And as you spend time in God's word, that cultivates faith, right? Faith comes by hearing and hearing of the word of Christ, right? This is how it's cultivated. And so obviously, the great temptation from the enemy would be what? To keep us away from the thing that's going to make us wise. To keep us away from the thing that's going to help us trust God more. So, so it's, it's staying away from the words of wisdom. Or, or we could even say staying away from those who are foolish who might even twist the words of wisdom. That happens all the time. People twist God's word. Then they tell you their perversion of God's word. You then bank your entire life on this is how I'm supposed to live. And, and the, pro, the result is not wisdom. The result is more folly. Because you didn't listen to wise words, wise counsel that teaches you how to live for the Lord. But the result is that you may trust. You may have confidence. I'm going to try not the rabbit trail here. But you have to understand from a church perspective, when Greg and I talk about church, we talk about the things that are really important. For us, our goal is that you act as a believer. That, that is primarily our number one goal. We want you to be Christ-like. We want you to walk in faith. Right? That's what we want you to do. We want you to trust Jesus every step. We see this principle, and this is why the majority of the things that we do are centered around Bible study and studying, spending time in God's word. That's why the focus is there. Why? Because I want you to walk 
faithfully with Jesus Christ in the world that we live and in the community that we live and in the town that we live? And, and how, how does that cultivate it? It's cultivated by learning God's wisdom. It's learned by exposure to wisdom, exposure to wisdom found in God's word. Obviously, that means that there's some things that we don't put as high of a priority on that say other churches might. Okay, they have to stand before God on how they led the church. Greg and I have to stand before God of how we led this church. And we are concerned with your faithfulness not with the fact of whether you've been entertained this morning. Now, I want, you to, I want you to feel welcomed, but I want you to know God's wisdom and God's word. And I want your faith to be cultivated so that when that moment comes, when you do have to trust Jesus in those heart-wrenching moments, in those moments of temptation, what do you fall back on? Do you fall back on Caleb was able to give an eloquent sermon or... He ended up in the wrong passage, so I guess it wasn't that eloquent. No, so that's on God's word. Trust me, I've never fought a temptation with, there was that one time at a potluck, somebody said something to me, so I'm not going to sin today. It's always been because of God's word, right? Jesus, when he fought temptation, what was it based off of? God's word. This is important. It's important to be here. Why? Because studying God's word deepens your faith and your trust in Jesus. That, that's the principle Solomon's talking about here, right? This is the goal. It says that you may trust in the Lord. And that, but then notice the second part. The second part is, is interesting. He says, I have made them known to you today, even you. Obviously, he's made it known. We're reading it, right? That kind of goes without saying. Of course, you've made it known. It's been published. That's not the part that I find interesting. The part that I find interesting is the phrase today. Why would he say today? He would say today because of the urgency. The urgency. You need to trust in the Lord today. You need to start these processes today. Why? Because it is the most applicable thing for you right now. You need to know this right now. You need to be reminded of this right now. This is something that we should be reminding each other on a daily basis. This, this God's wisdom, listening to God's word. It's something that we need today, right now. The urgency is now. The urgency in our spirit should be right now. And, and then just in case you go, okay, well, I already spent time in God's word. <laughs> I don't really need any more wisdom. I think I've kind of tapped out on the wisdom meter here. But, you know, my spouse definitely needs wisdom today. Or uh, the person I'm sitting next to or my neighbor. Solomon erases all of that. He says, even to you. Even to you. So it's applicable right now to you, not to anyone else. Don't think of anyone else. Think of yourself right now. You need to be reminded of this, and right now, this needs to be a part of your life. Right now, this is the most important. This is what you're going to learn in this school, right? So this is the cultivation of faith. Notice in verse 20 and 21 of the preparation. He says, have I not written for you 30 sayings? Now, 
Some of you might have a different translation, and you go, well, mine doesn't say 30 sayings. Yep, this is a difficult, remember, Hebrew's difficult, and this is one of those difficult words to translate. This word can mean three things. It can mean excellent, previously, or 30. Good luck. Those are three different things, right? Just because something was previous doesn't mean it's excellent, nor does it mean that it's 30. So obviously, then there's this debate of how do we translate this. I I like the way that the ESV translates it, uh, primarily because there's 30 sayings that are said next. And so it would make sense that 30 would be there because there's 30 sayings. And most modern scholars agree with this. Although, if if you're really going to be staunch about it and say, well, I think it's excellent, that's great. The 30 sayings are excellent as well. And if you go, well, there are things that were said previously, amen, those 30 excellent sayings were said previously in the book. So it's nothing new. So you could take it however you want, but it all shakes out the same. Okay? But I'm going to take it 30. I'm going to translate it 30. So he says, have I not written 30 sayings for you? But notice the second part. These are of counsel and of knowledge. He's writing these 30 sayings so that we can have advice, godly advice, right? This is the preparation, advice and knowledge so that we can grow in our understanding of Jesus Christ and our knowledge of God. That's what these 30 sayings are for. They're preparing us for life, preparing us for how to live, preparing us for our worship, preparing us for our walk with the Lord. That's what you're going to get from this university of 30 sayings, right, of these wise guys. This is the goal, right? And then he says, to make you know what is right and what is true. Now, once again, we get to a really difficult uh, translation here because the word for right and true also mean true and right. Each of them have been translated the same way. So you go, well, how are we to understand what he means? Is he just saying synonyms here? Is he just listing a whole bunch of synonyms that mean truth? Maybe. But I think there's a little bit of a nuance. So in the word right, the nuance is this idea of something that's certain, but it's certain because there's already an established standard. So so the idea is that you already know the standard, and the, the, the things that he's teaching you adhere to a standard. Really fancy wording, I know. We could easily just say, Paul would call it sound doctrine. So we can know sound doctrine, sound truth. What does the Bible teach? What does the Bible say about these things? We know that. The second word speaks of its genuineness, of its certainty, of the fact that it's going to be there for a long time. So it speaks of faithfulness. We could say sound principles, right? So these 30 uh, teachings are going to teach us sound doctrine, and they're going to teach us sound principles, And then notice what he says. He says that you may give a true answer to those who sent you. Who's sending the pupil somewhere? We don't really know. Once again, a little ambiguous here. Some people think that this means that the parents sent the pupil away to this university, and now he's got to go back and give an answer to his parents of what he learned. Maybe. Maybe that's true. Maybe it's just a poetic image of that. Maybe this is speaking to those who are going to be part of the court, right, of Solomon's court, and so he's kind of teaching them, and, you know, you're sent out 
to give an answer about some of the things. Maybe the image is that we're sent out to go around the world and collect all these wise sayings, and, and it's kind of like a, a pupil's journey of, of all these answers, right? And so the, the image is that when you're done with all learning all these 30, these 30 sayings, you're going to come back and you're going to have a, a good answer of what these mean. Or it could simply mean this, that at any given time, you will be able to properly apply and teach these principles to others, that you're ready. You're ready. It's such a part of you that you don't need to sit there and study a whole bunch. You already know these principles. Why? Because you spend time in the university. You know the answers. You don't have to sit there and really have a wild conundrum of, well, what do I say in this situation? The sense is you've already thought about these things. You already have an answer. This, so we're going to go to school for the next uh, however long it takes us to go through these 30 sayings. And, and as I'm thinking about this, right before we get ready to do the Lord's Supper this morning, I, I can't help but think about there are so many schools in the United States that started off as Bible colleges, trained pastors, thinking of Princeton, Harvard. They started off as Bible college, right? Princeton, you know who one of their first graduates was? Jonathan Edwards, right? One, maybe the greatest American theologian, right? Incredible theologian. That, 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 he comes from Princeton. You don't get a guy like Jonathan Edwards from Princeton anymore, right? In fact, the guys that come out of Princeton, you almost go, do they even believe anything of God's word? Like, they spend all that money just to walk away going, we can't trust the thing that we spent the entire four years studying. And you go, how does it get from that? How does it get from like a Jonathan Edwards, to that. A lot of answers have been said. A lot of things have been said. But I think the core principle would be what we found today. They got distracted from God's wisdom. They got distracted from God's word. And because they were distracted, because they went for wisdom somewhere else, guess what the natural result was? That it didn't bolster faith. It didn't prepare the students. Rather, what it did was it went further and further into unbelief. I say that not to, not to blast those, edu- those institutions and go, they're bad, don't send your kids there. I say that as a reminder and a warning to us. Think about this. If a school that was, pr- that was started to train pastors, so you're talking about smart, intelligent Bible teachers, if they can miss it, So can we. The urgency, friends, the urgency of the applying of this. To grow your faith is to do what we've seen today. This is what God says. This is what you must do. You must incline your ear to his word and don't leave it and study it and want to know everything about it so that you can trust him and trust him and and then apply these things to your life in, in a way that's right and appropriate. This grows your faith. It doesn't dwindle your faith. It grows it so that you step out more and more in the faith of Jesus Christ and not into wavering on belief. The warning is, and the warning of this school is, if you neglect this university, if you don't attend this free course at Wisdom University, and you don't apply these things to your heart, the opposite result will happen. You will not grow in faith, you will diminish in faith. 
You won't be prepared for life. You'll be less prepared. So, let's get to work. Let's apply this, right? Let's, let's take this serious. It, it's time for us to take it serious. It's time for us to be vigilant. It's time for us to pay attention. So, may the Lord give us both the will and the ability to do all that we heard today.